But the other thing tells me my God is good. He said he loved me before I loved him. Amen. He loved me first. And he loved me enough to give his life for me. And that in itself is two reasons that I know my God is good. Amen. I didn't deserve any of it. But God did it anyway. Have I lived a, a life that was free of pain and suffering? No. Have I lived a life that was free of difficult times and ups and downs? No. I've had all those things. All of us have. Some of us have had more than others. It depends on how you look at it, right? What level you think your suffering was. But I assure you that the sufferings of this life, Paul said, does not compare to the glory of the one that's coming next. Amen? Where you and I are going to go next is far better than this old world. And if we can just keep our eyes on a good God, a great God, a God that loves us, I promise you, Brother Eddie, life is going to be better. One day, everything that God said is going to come to pass. And the sufferings of this life will be over with. And we can say, right, that we have finished the race, fought the fight, fought that good fight of faith. And Paul said, henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, not just for me, but for everybody, amen, that calls God the Lord. That same thing. So God's good, amen. He's worthy of our praise. Thank you so much for taking your time to come out. Wednesday nights are tough on people, right, when you got kids and families and jobs and it's hot, right, and all those things. But I assure you tonight, I think I can say this under the authority of God's Word. God knows when you're here, amen. It moves His heart to see you and I sacrifice our time to come and tell Him we love Him, amen. You can tell Him you love Him at home, and you can tell Him you love Him at work. You can tell Him you love Him in all those places, I know. But there's something about when God's people come together and collectively worship God. It's awesome. Amen? And it just moves His heart. So thank you for coming tonight. Amen? We're going to talk about how great our God is tonight, how awesome He is. There are seven keys to living a successful Christian life that I want to give to you that God laid on my heart. I've been, I've been doing some inventory and some soul searching over the past week, and this is just a message God gave to Mark. And he answered my prayers with this. And I'm going to give it to you because I think it's so powerful. And I think it's one of those things you don't need to keep to yourself. You need to let everybody know about it. Amen. So let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, Sister Heather was singing, you are a good God. And Lord, when I think of your goodness and how merciful you've been to me, if nothing else, God, if I can just think of the goodness that awaits me, after this life if there was no other blessings here but I know that there's a blessing coming when I'm with you around your throne for all of eternity if I didn't have anything else to praise you for other than you gave your life for me and that I didn't have to face that awful place of the lake of fire it's enough for me to praise you all my days but God you've been so good to me and so much so all of us here today You've blessed us with health and money and homes and cars, food, jobs, all these things. Children, family, church family. You've given us so much. God, you're so good. And I just want to say thank you tonight. And we appreciate you so much for your goodness and your mercy to us. Thank you, God, for this word that you've laid on my heart tonight, God, what you gave to me as I was talking to you and looking at my own life, asking you, God, how do I live a victorious, 
powerful, truly set free life? How can I get beyond the cares and worries and stresses and drama of this world and live that life that your son Jesus said that if he set us free, we're free indeed? How do we get there to that place where our chains truly are broken, not just in word, but in deed? How do we get there, God? So thank you for what you revealed to me. I pray you help me to stay strong and true to what you showed me. And I pray, God, that you'd help me to give it to your children tonight in the way you gave it to me, that in hopes that it would be a blessing that we all, Lord, live that successful life, not just in the future, but right now. Father, we'll praise you for that and honor you and glorify you, Lord. Bless these young people as they go back. Bless their teachers, God. Oh, God, bless these teachers. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for your anointing upon them. Thank you for your call upon them. Thank you for their willingness to teach such a precious, precious gift in children. To have the ability, Lord, to impart life into them through your word. Thank you for them, God. May you always bless them for their labor of love. God, may there be a special place in heaven for those who are willing to stand up and say, I'll teach them, Lord. I'll teach them. God bless them. Anoint them as they go back today. And Father, we'll praise you for it. Bless those that are watching on Facebook, God. I forget about them so many times. Bless them, Lord, all over this world. We appreciate them. And God will honor you and glorify you in the precious name of Jesus. Give God a hand clap of praise while you haven't taken a seat. Amen. Amen. We'll dismiss our, our children, our leaders. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, teachers. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis. Put your finger about Hezekiah. Put your other finger in Revelation because we're going to be there, front, middle, and back. Amen. Got a lot of scripture. Brother Danny, I tell you, normally God just lays two or three on my heart. There's a lot I want you to see today. Probably more teaching than preaching, but who knows? You know what happens when God takes over. Seven keys to Christian success as spoken by Jesus. I've been talking to the Lord, to the Lord over the past week here, really probably most of my life, I guess, like most of us, and, but really over the past week. And I told the Lord, I said, man, I'm 52 years old, as if God didn't know I was 52 years old. I said, I'm 52 years old, Brother Ralph, and, you know, life's about passing me by. And I was thinking, Lord, what's this all about, right? I mean, you just work every day, you're stressed, you're, you just, you know how it goes. I ain't gonna, I'm here to lift you and pull you down, but you know, right? We're all in this same world. I thought, Lord, what do I got to do to live a successful Christian life? What do I got to do to live that victorious, set-free, truly set-free life that your son Jesus spoke to me about in his word and spoke to all of us here? I'm saved, God. He knows I'm saved. I don't have to tell God I'm saved. I said, yeah, I'm saved, Lord, and... But I was just carrying on a conversation like you carry on conversations, right, with each other and with God. Saved, trying to follow your plan, right, trying to do all these things, but don't feel like I'm getting anywhere in this life, right? I ain't getting anywhere with you on my job. I ain't getting anywhere with you in my family. I ain't getting anywhere with you at church. I ain't just, you know, you, you've been there, right? What do I got to do to live a successful Christian life? Truly. And the best place I could go that God took me was in his word here, and he sent me to his son Jesus. And he sent me to Golgotha and to Calvary, right? And we all know you've heard the seven last words of Jesus and that's been preached backwards and forwards. But we're going to look at it today just a little bit, the words that he spoke and how does that relate to a successful Christian life?
See, the words that Jesus spoke on the cross that day were not just words to be talking, right? He wasn't just saying a few words that every now and then he said, I guess I better tell them to say a few words so they'll, they'll think I'm, they will think I'm dead and it's not my time. No, he was, the words he spoke, Brother Garfield, were powerful words. And they were powerful not just on that day. And they weren't just fulfilling prophecy, although they were. A lot of those words he spoke on the cross that day fulfilled prophecy. But the words he spoke on that cross that day were for me and for you. For all those that were there that day, but for everybody that ever was, is, and ever will be, the plan of successful Christian living, Jesus gave it that day on the cross about 2,000 years ago. As he began to speak that day, if you want to live a successful, delivered, fulfilled, right, righteous life in God, just go back and listen to what Jesus said. It was amazing to me as he, as he was taken from Gethsemane, and he was taken before Pilate, then Herod, back to Pilate. And then as he stood out there, as he was fixing to be crucified on the cross, and after he was crucified, until he gave his life, he didn't say a whole lot at all. Probably some of the most silent times that you'll see Jesus in the Bible. Very few words spoken by Jesus during that time period. Just little small phrases, snippets. For instance, you say, they say you're the king of the Jews. Jesus said, you say. Right? Small. Didn't say a whole lot. But as he sat there on that cross, those seven statements that he made impacted the world, and it should impact all of us. If you're like me and you're struggling sometimes and you're just kind of up and down in your relationship with God, I want you to make some notes here. Write them down. Go back and listen to it on Facebook, however you're going to do it. Hopefully it'll be on Facebook. You never know about technology. So I hope you're making some notes. Go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse 34 with me. One of the first keys, the first key that Jesus gave to us from the cross, how to be successful in this life and the life to come, to be a successful Christian, truly set free as he said. This is what he said. The first words Jesus spoke from the cross. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. One of the first things that you and I can see that Jesus spoke of is forgiveness. Forgiving yourself, right? God forgives you. You're truly forgiven. Jesus said that. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. But particularly the forgiveness of others. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, this is what he said. Forgive if you, he said, For if you forgive men their trespasses or sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. In verse 15, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. One of the toughest statements Jesus made from the cross. One of the hardest. You say, well, preacher, that's not too tough. He just said forgive, right? Hardest thing I've ever done in my life was to forgive somebody that I thought did me wrong, right? I can say it pretty easily, Brother Ray. Hey, Sister Chris, good to see her. Ain't she beautiful? Good to see you, Sister Chris. She makes Brother Ray look better, don't she? Amen. But it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was easily said. Somebody said, do you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. All the while, down deep inside that chamber in my heart that's locked up and the keys, nobody knows where it is, including me, I ain't forgave them, right? Here's that statement that most of the time will let you know that you hadn't forgiven somebody. The Bible says I gotta love them, but I ain't gonna like them. You ever said that? Don't raise your hand. I've said it before. I'll just confess. 
The Bible says I got to love them, but it didn't say I got to like them. There ain't no forgiveness in that statement. Amen? None. What if Jesus said, my father said, I got to love you, but I ain't got to like you. How far do you think it'd go to him really truly forgiving you and you being in heaven? You with me? Think about that sometime. If Jesus was on the cross saying, Lord, I, I love him, but only because you said so, but I still don't like him. What if he just said right there, Lord, forgive him, but just forgive him because you said I got to love him, but I don't like him at all. So what he's saying is forgive him, but don't forgive him. Forgive them for the, they talk bad about me, but don't let them into heaven because I don't like what they did. I mean, basically, that's what we're saying. So if you want to live a successful Christian life that you're truly set free, the best thing you can do is set somebody free by forgiving them because when you set them free, you set yourself free. Amen? That's the thing I had to learn a long time ago, and I still have to remind myself, right, that if I'm not forgiving that person, not only am I, am, am, am I just, uh, well, really... You just keep yourself in bondage. That person's probably walking around. They just think everything's good. Right there, they're out there having a good time. You over here just miserable because you ain't forgiving them. Right? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he said, if you can't forgive them, then your heavenly Father can't forgive you. Is that right? That's what he said. We just read it. I love this other scripture. How can you say, God said, that you love me whom you have not seen, and not love your brother whom you have seen. Amen? Now that's God saying that, not Confucius, not Paul Harvey, not Mark Lowe, not Jensen Franklin, not T.D. Jakes, not Charles Stanley, we'll leave nobody out. God said that. So in order for us to be a successful Christian, one that pleases God, the first statement from the cross was forgive them. Amen? Forgive them. Now, again, that's hard because we want to bury the hatchet, but not the way God wants us to. When God says you need to bury the hatchet, it means forgive them. We say bury the hatchet. When they turn around, I'll bury it in that skull. Is that right? In the back, right? We, we're just built that way to get somebody back, right? We're still stuck in the Old Testament. I've heard people say that, too, when they're going to get somebody. The Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Isn't that right? Render unto them what they did to you. My daddy used to laugh all the time. He said, Mark, the golden rule is not, is not do unto others before they have a chance to do it unto you. The, the golden rule is, right, is that you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Jesus said, it, Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. Is that right? That's the golden rule. Okay? Jesus said, talking about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, he said, you have heard it said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But what did Jesus say? He said, but I say, turn the other cheek. Oh, how long, Lord, do I have to put up with this woman's mouth? How many times do I have to hear that man say that to me? Do you know, God, how much restraint it takes to keep from just smacking his jaws? Is that right? How many times, Lord, they said. And Jesus said, how many? Seven times or 70 times seven. Now, if you went to wear shows, let me help you. You say, that's 490 times. No, Jesus meant as many times as it takes. Okay? As much as it takes. Turn the other cheek. Love them. Right? Forgive them. Think about it. We've all sinned. And if Jesus didn't forgive us, and look at what we've done to him, where would we be? First key to a successful Christian life 
is to understand the word forgiveness. That the word forgiveness has no strings attached. No strings. If you'll forgive me, I'll forgive. Mm-mm. 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 Ain't the way it works. If you'll forgive me first, I'll forgive you. Jesus said you forgive them. Right? Forgive them. The ball's in their court then, whether they forgive you or not, but you've done what you're supposed to do. Don't forgive them just so you can say, I, try, I forgave them. <laughs> I tried it, old hussy. She wouldn't accept my forgiveness. <laughs> forgive them, right? Forgive them and move on. Okay? Forgive them. The second key to living a successful Christian life, Jesus spoke these words. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 23 and verse 43, the second statement he spoke from the cross. We'll read it together. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, which means of a truth, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The second key to living a truly successful Christian life is to have faith. We must exhibit complete faith in God and in his ability to lead us and keep us. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 is a great illustration of what we're just talking about right here. See, the man here had faith in Jesus enough to say, forgive me, right? Please forgive me. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. It took great faith to do that. Okay, he'd probably heard of Jesus, probably seen Jesus a few times but really wasn't real sure. But as he hung on that cross that day and watched what was happening, he had a front row seat. And he watched Jesus, and he, and he listened to what was being said, and God touched his heart, and he had faith to believe. He said, yeah, he just had old deathbed faith. Well, you call it what you want to call it, but he had faith. See, I want to say to you today that in Mark's eyes, I know the Bible says great faith, right? Greater faith, these things. But you've got to look at the context of what he's trying to say. But in reality, is there greater faith or less faith? There's just faith, amen? If you can believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, if you can believe in him and trust him enough to say, Lord, I believe in you, please forgive me, please accept me into your kingdom, please live in my heart and stand up, honey, you can move mountains. It takes greater faith to believe in something you have never seen than to believe in that what you see and ask God to move it. Amen? You with me? That's why Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed art thou, Thomas, you believe, but you believe because you've seen me. You can touch me, right? Put your hands in my side. Touch these holes in my, in these, these holes are in my hands, right? That's great, Thomas, but your faith is based upon the fact that you see me, touch me, hear me, smell me, all those things. But he said, greater are their faith going to be that believe in me who has never seen me. Amen? You see what I'm saying? It takes great faith to believe in God, Okay? So, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Brother Danny, I think I gave you that one. There we go. Thank you, Brother. Y'all, brother Danny's awesome, ain't he? Huh? But without faith, it is impossible, the Bible says, to please him. Speaking of God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, right? And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Right? Without faith, you can't please God. Why? Because you can't believe in him if you don't have faith in him. Right? Faith is greater than confidence. Confidence is in our ability. Faith is in His ability. Amen? You with me? Confidence is man's ability. Faith is God's ability. I got confidence in all of y'all, but my faith ain't in not a one of y'all. I love you. <laughs> but I know you because I know me. We're all men. We're built the same. We have flesh. We're going to mess up sometimes. Maybe not on purpose, but we're going to fail each other sometimes. 
Our minds fail us, right? Mine's failing me quickly. I can't remember what I used to remember. So if I tell you I'm going to give you $100, first of all, you need to get my, I need to go see a doctor. Number two, no, I'm just kidding you. Just kidding. And I don't give it to you. It's probably not because I didn't want to. I just forgot. Right? I just forgot. So man will fail you sometimes because we're carnal. But God will never fail us. Right? My confidence is in you guys, but my faith is in God. If we're going to live a successful Christian life, God reminded me of Luke chapter 23 and verse 43. you got to have faith like that man had faith. See, he didn't have anything else. He was at the end of his rope. He had nobody else to trust or believe in at all. You say, yeah, preacher, but if he'd have been in a different situation, he probably wouldn't ask Jesus. Maybe not. But at least in that moment, right, there was nothing else. He turned to Jesus and said, you know what? It don't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. I'm fixing to die. So what if you really are the son of God? You know, I, I'm going to have some confidence and, and some faith here to just to believe in you because there ain't nothing else for me, right? you got to give him a little bit of confidence, I mean, a little bit of credit that he at least looked at Jesus and said, there's got to be something to this, right? Faith, trust, belief in that which we don't see. you got to have faith and believe that God's going to do it. Now listen to me. You can't have that kind of faith that we all talk about sometimes, Right? Well, we say, all right, God, if, if you're really God, uh, move that podium, right? And if you move the podium, I'm going to have faith. It don't work like that, right? We want God to do something first, and then we want to believe in him. Well, let me give you a newsflash. He's already done it, amen? If you're waiting on God to do something miraculous, if you're waiting on God to do something that's earth-shattering, if you're waiting on God to turn the world upside down, if you've been waiting on God to, to move this or move that or show you something great, in order for you to have belief in him and have faith in him, go ahead and believe because he gave Jesus to die on a cross for us. He's already done the greatest thing he could ever do. Amen? There's nothing else greater than Jesus dying on a cross for our sins. Right? What else do we want? That chair moving is not going to make me move like Jesus giving his life for me. Right? Because the chair can't save me. God gave his life. Man, that is earth shattering. When Jesus died on a cross, listen. Do you remember what happened when he died on that cross? The Bible says that the earth became dark. Amen? It just became pitch black in the middle of the day. The earth began to shake and quake to the point that the graves opened up. You remember that? And some dead guys got up and walked around the town. Amen? I mean, God, it was earth shattering literally. The world has never seen anything like what it took place that day. Never, ever seen it and hadn't seen it since. That God died for me and for you. Amen? So if you've been waiting on God to do something great for you to believe in Him and to have faith in Him, go ahead and believe because He's already done it. you got to exhibit if we're going to have or live a successful Christian life this is what he reminded me of, Mark. If you're going to have this life you're talking about, quit talking about faith and start living it. Amen? Quit talking about, I know God can deliver me from that pornography. I know God can deliver me from scratch-off cards. I know God can deliver me from that drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever you got that's bothering you. You know, I, I, I know God can do it. I, I, I'm trusting you, God. Live it. Amen? God said, Mark, just live it. Don't talk about it. My dad used to tell me all the time, talk's cheap. Amen. Everybody can say it, but it's another thing to live it, right? Walking the walk is one thing, but talking 
the talk, right? Talking what you or walking what you're talking is a whole nother ball game. Okay? That's the difference. Everybody today wants God to move first, and then I'll move. But faith says, I'm going to move even when I don't know what's going to catch me. Amen? I'm going to step off this mountaintop, and I can't see how in the world I'm not going to splat down on the bottom, but I know you're God. Amen? And I'm going to step anyway. That's faith. Anybody can step out there when you can see there's a platform to stand on. That don't take a lot of faith. But move the platform, and then they say, how much you trust me now? How many of us would step out there? See what I'm saying? That's the difference. Confidence, faith. You got to believe. You got to believe that God and exhibit what you believe, that he has the ability to lead us and to guide us and direct us totally. That's where most folks get off the Christian train. I don't trust him enough 100% with my life. I believe in him, but I don't believe in him that much to give it all to him. You'll never be successful in this walk with the Lord if you can't trust him because he said it was impossible to please him without that faith. The third key to living a successful Christian life is found in John 19, verse 26 and 27. The third statement that Jesus made from the cross. We talked about it briefly. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples, speaking of John, standing by whom he loved. John was the only one there at the cross that day. The rest of them <laughs> running for their lives. This one that he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, Behold thy son. In verse 27, now this was not his biological mother. Then saith, saith he to this disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own house. Jesus, dying on the cross, was still concerned about his neighbor. And he was concerned that his mother would have somebody to take care of him, her and that John would have somebody to take care of him. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, he was asked about the two greatest or the greatest commandments, which of the commandments are the greatest commandments by some churchgoers, if you will, Pharisees. And Jesus said, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. One translation says the greatest commandment. The next verse, if I gave it to you, Brother Danny, I didn't. Okay, he said, the second is like unto the first. Love your neighbors as yourself. So if you're going to live a successful Christian life, a truly free, set-free life, we have got to love our neighbor as ourselves. Take care of them. Be concerned about their well-being. Right? Hurt when they hurt, laugh when they hurt, and when they laugh, rather, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Again, we touched on it briefly. But he said, these are the two greatest commandments. Did you know that if you and I will love God with all of our heart and we'll love our neighbor, we will not break any commandment in the Bible? Amen. Because if you love God, Jesus said, you're my friend if you keep my commandments. So if I love God and I keep his commandments, I'm not going to sin against him. And if I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to hurt my neighbor, which would not cause me to sin. I'm going to love them because I love some Mark. Y'all love some of y'all too. I know you do. I look at you. Y'all spent some time in the mirror today. <laughs> y'all vain as I am, some of you now. Right? 
We love ourselves. We put on the finest of clothes, put on that perfume, right? Make sure all them zits is out of the way, right? Whatever we got to do. I ain't going out looking like that. Why? Because I love me, right? Don't bring no reproach against me. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a tough one. Like I said, because some people, just honestly, you don't want to love them. They give you reasons not to love them. I mean, let's be honest. We all got that family member. Raise your hand. It just went through your mind, didn't it? Now, you might be the, you might be the family member they just thought of. <laughs> so I'm just warning you, right? We all got that family member. We all got that person at work, right? We're all going to pray in a minute because we all we shouldn't be thinking those things. But we all got them. It's hard to love some people. Some people won't let you love them. I mean, some people, it's just like, I can't love that person. I've tried, Lord. <laughs> They're from the pits of hell. You know, I don't. <laughs> you still casting out angels, God? Demons. But you got to love them. You got to learn to love them, right? Here's the thing I've learned. That if you love somebody enough, that if you just keep loving them, eventually they're going to love you too. Most of the time, it's hard for that, you to love that person because you don't know them and they don't know you. And all we do is it's a first impression sometimes. And sometimes it ain't a first impression. They really open their mouth and, and really told you why you really don't love them. Right? But you got to learn to love them. I think one place in the Bible it says that, that we should pray for those who despitefully use us. Right? In doing so, we're heaping coals of fire on their head. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. Yes, God! What a great scripture! Where's that at, preacher? Well, I'm not going to tell you because you'll, you'll use it wrong. Right? You'll, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. You know, it's like, that's what I've been wanting to do. Right? But what he's saying is, is that when we do that, if we pray for them, that, it, that the convicting power of the Holy Ghost, the fire of God, will settle upon their, their, their heads. What did he say? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? So when, when you pray for them that you love them, right, it just will, the, it heaps that, that presence of God and that conviction upon them till it transforms their mind Till when they look at you, they're like, why did I ever hate that guy? I love him. He's the greatest thing since a laced potato chip. Right? Changed, right? Things happen. When God's people love Right? Things happen. They change. Love is what caused the world to form. God is love, the Bible says. He formed this world out of love. He formed you and me out of love. He gave Jesus out of love. He created the heavens out of love. He created a place for you and I to worship Him and go after this life out of love. So it makes sense that if God, if God is love and if we will exhibit love, then it will, that will happen. Love will come back. Is that right? That's why the Bible says that God's word does not return unto him void. Amen? You, 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 you're making that coalition? Or that coalition, that ain't the right word. Right? Are you making that connection? <laughs> Coalitions, us and Israel, right? Connection, right? See what I'm saying? If we'll exhibit love, and he, he, he is love, and Jesus said, I am the word, so if we're putting the word out there and we're exhibiting, exhibiting love, it's going to return to God and not be void, Right? Love creates love. So if we're going to live a successful Christian life, we've got to love our neighbor as ourselves. The third statement from Jesus. Fourth, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, Jesus spoke these words. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, I think. 
That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Preacher, I just don't know what that, what do you mean? That's the fourth thing I got to do? I don't want to not believe in God. What happened here in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46 is you got to talk to God. You got to be honest and open with God. He knows our hearts anyway. Have a relationship with Him so you can speak to Him. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, three words, two words, three words. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Is that right? Have communication with God. Prayer is communication. That word prayer is just a glorified word for I'd like to have a conversation. Praying is talking. So when he says pray without ceasing, talk without ceasing. Y'all ain't got no problem with that. <laughs> I can talk, right? But he's talking about talk to God, right, without ceasing. Communicate with him constantly. Build a relationship. Jesus had an open communication with his father, right? So he could talk to his father. And he knew his father was listening. I'm going to give you something that's going to help you if you've never read it before. You've heard me say this, some of you, but I'm going to say it for those of you who haven't. If you don't think God ain't listening, if you're a child of God, He's listening. The Bible teaches us in the book of Revelation that the prayers of the saints, the communication, the talking, the prayers of the saints to our Father, right? The Bible says those angels are walking to and fro, right, in front of the throne of God, carrying vows, the King James says, translates to bowls, carrying these bowls, which are the prayers of the saints, constantly before the throne of God. Honey, let me tell you something. Don't ever doubt that God hears your prayers if you're a child of God. They all are constantly before Him. He hears them all the time. Many times in the Old Testament, you would, you would hear Him tell the prophet, go tell them, their prayers have come up before me. Amen? He heard them year after year crying out to Him, God hears your prayers. They're a sweet incense to His nostrils. Unlike... Some people, they talk your head off. You're like, I wish you'd just hush. God wants to hear from you. You can't talk too much to God. He'll listen. He's the greatest listener in the world. Man, he, in the morning when you're waking up, he's sitting there waiting on you. That's Mark's opinion. Waiting on you to get up because he's been watching you all night, just loving on you and, and thinking about how awesome you are. You, those of you that have kids, when they were babies, I remember my kids, Noel and Nathan, when they were little, I'd walk, Christy had them at the little bassinet beside the bed because she was scared they was going to die on us. <laughs> you know, check them, Mark, check them. Are they breathing? I'm like, you check them. <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. Check them. Well, I stuck my hand in a mini nose, right? I think they're breathing. But we would just sometimes sit and look at them. We'd look at them and just look at how beautiful their little hands were and their little noses and their little feet, right? And we would just... We would just ooh and goo over them and think, gosh, look how awesome they are, right? And we would just, in our minds, think, I mean, what are they going to be? You know, are they going to grow up to be this or that? I wanted Noel to be a janitor. No, I didn't. <laughs> Nate wanted to be a janitor. See, I'll talk to him about that sometime. But we just thought about what are, what are they going to be, right? And so we were just thinking about all those things. And, man, we can't wait till they grow up where they can talk to us and Man, it'll be awesome they can sit up and say, hey, Dad, how you doing? And y'all did the same things, right? God ain't no different. He made us. 
So when you're laying in that bed, he's looking at you like, yes, I made, look how beautiful they are. They're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? I can't wait to get up in the morning. I can't wait to talk to them, right? And they're just, he's just sitting there waiting on you, right? And you get up and you smile and he just gets excited. And then we walk out the door and never say a word. Amen. You ever thought about it? Oh, God, don't really do that. How do you know? Right? How do you know? He's everywhere. If we're going to live a successful Christian life, we've got to talk to God. Amen? You've got to have an open communication. You've got you to want to talk to Him. Preacher, it's the hardest thing I've done is pray. Pray anyway. Amen? Well, I don't know what to say to Him. Just talk to Him. Talk to Him like you're talking to me. Sometimes I call Him man. I say, man, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, where are you at, God? What's going on? Right? Talk to Him. And God wants to, He wants the communication. Okay? You cannot be a successful Christian, at least what God said to me. Mark, you can't be successful in this life without having a relationship with me. You've got to talk to me. Right? You've got to tell me. Now, look, guys, men, let me talk to you. We don't like talking. We don't like talking about our issues. Right? But if you don't get them out to God, it'll eat you up. Amen? He already knows anyway. He's just waiting on us to say, I need some help. Us men don't like that either. Argue with GPS. Y'all ever done that? Turn left. You crazy. I ain't turning left. Right? I know where I'm at. It ain't long after that I hear it, redirect. And the whole time I'm hearing Christians say, I told you. Turn left, Mark. Happens. Fifth statement that Jesus made. I'm getting there, y'all. From the cross, if you want to be a successful Christian in this life, live a victorious life. John chapter 19, verse 28. I love this one here. This is one of my faves. Listen to what Jesus said. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. I'm thirsty. Jesus said, Remain thirsty. Remain hungry. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen? To live a truly delivered life, successful Christian life, you've got to want it. I mean, you've got to really want it. Amen? You with me? You've got to really want what you're asking God for. We have to put in the work. You got to really want it, right? How many times have y'all talked to somebody? You counseled with them, right? You sat with them, you talked to them, and they said, You know, I got this issue. Six weeks later, you know, I got this issue, Noel. Like SpongeBob, two hours later. I've got this issue. Three months from now, I've got this issue. I got a fellow that calls me, he's called me this week been calling me for six or seven years with the same issue. Now, y'all, loving my neighbor as myself, what was one of them other ones? Uh, loving, loving neighbors yourself, talking, you know, all these things we talked about, forgiveness, hard. Because I look at him, and the answer's the same every time. It ain't changed. In order for you to get deliverance of what you're telling me about year after year after year, <laughs> right? You got to do it. You got to really want it. 
You can't just do it on Sunday morning because you, you, you just you at your wits in and then you get up and you find yourself God blesses you. And then you go back two weeks from now, things, things are going good. So you forget about God and then it goes wrong again. And what do you want, God? Where you at? Right? Look, a successful Christian walk, you got to be in it for the long haul. Amen? You got to be all in. You got to be sold out. You can't be half in and half. You can't play the pokey, hokey pokey with God. Right? We can't have part of me in and part of me out and we shake it all about. Amen? And do the hokey pokey. That's what's wrong with church today. We're all shaking things we shouldn't be shaking. Amen? Pulling stuff out, taking things in, and, you know, we're trying to give God this, and we pull stuff back out, picking it back up. You know what I'm saying. Oh, God, and we'll cry and lay it on the altar down here, and two weeks later, we're right back where we were. We picked it back up. We're playing spiritual hokey-pokey with God. Right? you got to be all in. Man, Jesus said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let me put it to you in terms Mark understands. You let me go eight hours without eating, and you better get out of the way. Amen? If I ain't eating eight hours, and there's a cheeseburger in front of me, I love y'all, but I'm going to knock you down to get to that cheeseburger. Amen? We're going to fight over that cheeseburger. If that's the only one, and you're hungry, and I'm hungry, we're going to see who, yeah, Hunger Games is going to be real. Amen? It's going to get real, real fast. Right? Because we want to be filled, right? We get... We want to see, that's why the psalmist said, Oh, taste in Psalm 34 and 8 and see that the Lord, He is good. Is that right? Because when you get a little bit of Jesus, ooh, that was good. Amen. It's like, it's like Billy Ray Morgan's banana pudding. Amen, somebody. Yeah. He made me a banana pudding for my anniversary, y'all. It's hard for me to preach this message knowing it's in that refrigerator. You won't talk about temptation. I'm trying to follow you, Lord. I'm trying to get this message out, but I know that banana pudding waiting on me, right? I know it's good because I've had it, amen? My mouth watering now. See what I'm saying? That's the way it is with Jesus. When you get a little bit of him, man, it's like, what was that, right? You ever been in a service where you just had a little bit of residue of Jesus? Man, you was in a service. We had one Sunday, and we had it again Wednesday. or Wednesday and Sunday, right? We had a little bit of residue of Jesus, and you're like, ooh-wee. I want some more of that. See, that's what draws people. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Right? See, he's the tater. Well, there's a tater chip. He's salt on the tater chip. Amen? The salt's what brings you back to the tater chip. Amen? But that's what it's all about. Right? You got to be hungry and thirsty for him. You got to be all in. When you say to Jesus, I got to have you more than I got to have that problem. Amen? Lord, I need you more than I need that chicken leg. I need you more than I need that, that, that pornographic thing, or I need you more than I need that drugs, or I need you more than I need that money, or I need you more than I need that man, or I need you more than I need that woman, right? Whatever the situation is, I need you more than I need that career. Amen? When you get to the place where you say, Lord, I am hungry for you. I have had the things of this world, and I'm sick on those things. They're making my stomach turn. I want something that's going to make me feel good and, and know that I'm in the right place. When you get to that place where you can't wait to get to him, you'll see God move in your life. If we're going to live that successful Christian life, we got to remain thirsty and hungry. And we got to be all in with Jesus, not partly in. See, this is why I believe some people just forget about Jesus or say, I just don't know if he's real because he ain't doing what I'm asking him to do. Well, 
you got to sell out. Amen? He knows when we get here if we're sold out or not. He knows if we were sold out here, but when we left, we started thinking about that again. I'm going to give you one thing. I'm going to move on to number six. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let's go back into Exodus. Children of Israel, years and years and years in bondage. Beat, raped, right? Worked like dogs in bondage. Praying, God, forgive us. Forgive us for we've sinned. Deliver us, God. Sends Moses and tell, him, I, tell my people I have heard them. And they are going to be delivered today. Amen. And then God begins to do what he does. And you know the story. Children of Israel leave out of Egypt, man. They're going out of there, man. I mean, wide open. Split that Red Sea, man. They crossed over, headed to the promised land. On their way to the promised land, what do you think they done? <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm tired of living life. I'm living, please. Forgive me, Lord. I won't do it again. So God says, I hear you. I'm going to make a way. Red Sea split, man, out of Egypt to go. Not only did they go out of Egypt, but God had all them people give all that gold to them too. Go back and read it. See, God don't just have to do nothing. They went out of there with some stuff, rich, okay? Got on out there, everything's going good, and they forgot about old Jesus, forgot about old God, right? Man, this is great. Got out there, everything's going good, and what do you think happened next? Started looking back in Egypt, started complaining, tired of eating manna from heaven, <laughs> tired of eating God's blessing. Now look, y'all. If you woke up every day and they were Big Macs on the side of the road, all you had to do was pick them and eat them. Come on now. You with me? They didn't have to do nothing. They just had to get up, go out there and grab it. God had it sitting there for them. All they had to do was eat it, complain. At least in Egypt we had the flesh pots. Is that right? We might have been in bondage, but they fed us, bless God. We're tired of eating this old manna, old angel food cake stuff, those, you know. So God... Throw some quail out there. You know how God is. Complaining about that. You know, this never was happy. Complaining all the time. They weren't sold out, guys. And you know what it cost them? The promised land. That whole generation of people died out because they did not sell out to God. They were not all in with God. They were in for a minute, and then they took themselves back out. Then they got back in. They took themselves back out. You know when they did it? When things went bad in their life, they went back to God. When things got good, they walked away from God. Right? And it costs them the promised land. Look, if we don't sell out to God, we are not going to make heaven our home. Successful Christian living, the only definition of success is, is that you make heaven your home. If we don't make heaven our home, guess what? We were not successful in our Christian walk. Y'all with me? Look at your neighbor and say, that was good. And he's almost done, praise God. John chapter 19, verse 30. The sixth statement from Jesus on the cross. If we're going to be successful in this life and live that victorious Christian life, this is what Jesus said. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished. If we're going to be successful in this life, finish the task. God just said to me, and I've, he said it to me many times, but this is what he just, this really stood out to me the whole time. I was talking to him this week. Starting a race is a wonderful thing. Starting a diet's great too. But if you never intend on finishing, what's the point of starting? Amen. James chapter 1, verse 12. 
Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Finish the task. Blessed is that guy. If you can finish that task, if you can get past all this stuff, start the race is wonderful, run the race is great, but if you don't finish it, it's all in vain. Right? How awful would it be that you got saved, you're living for the Lord for 40 years, and then you turn your back on God, keep going back into Egypt, go back to them things you know is not right, you die in that situation and miss heaven. Wouldn't that be awful? Huh? Be awful. Finish the task. If we're going to start the race, intend to finish it. Right? Even if, in your mind, if you think I ain't catching up with the rest of these people, I'm not going to win. Look, if you start the race and you run the race, you win if you finish it. Everybody that wins, everybody finishes a race, guys, let me tell you something, they win. Satan's got us so messed up in this world that we think only one person wins a race. Only one person wins a Super Bowl. Only one person does this or that or the other. But let me tell you something. If you have enough courage to put yourself out there for everybody to see and to criticize you, you win. Amen? Baseball players that lose the World Series, they win. They win because they went out there and they put themselves out there and they gave it all they had. They win. They might not have won on the scoreboard, but you win. Amen? You see what I'm saying? Them people that run that Boston Marathon, just because they're not the first one across the finish line don't mean they don't win. If you finish the race, you won. Amen? Because you did something nobody else did. Look, you may not finish the way or the time that you think you should, but if you'll run that race that God tells you to run, the way he tells you to run it, you win. Amen? You win. Finish the task. Don't start something that you're not going to finish. Lastly, Luke chapter 23 and verse 46 as I was saying to you, I touched on this just a minute ago, right, that you got to be all in, right, remain thirsty and hungry. We're going to touch on it one more time. Jesus said this in Luke 23 and 46, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend or commit my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He died. you got to commit to God. got to commit to God. Don't give God what's left. Listen. Give him all you have until you have nothing left. Don't give God what's left. God's not a God of seconds. He's not a God of leftovers. Give God all you have until you have nothing left. That's what he wants. Proverbs 3, 5, and 8. We all know the scripture. You can quote it without even looking at it, right? Pat, wonderful passage of scripture, but it's so true to live your life by. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? All of it. That's committing unto God. All of your trust in the Lord. Have faith in God with all of your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, he said, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Right? Verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. All in. Right? This is an all-in statement. Ain't to send us to Dabo. Verse 9, we'll close with this one, I think. Did I give you 9? No, we just said 6 and 8. That's okay. Nine's good to read sometimes. It shall, it, and it, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. All in with God. Commit, right? Commit to him. Hardest thing, one of the hardest things to do other than forgiveness is commit, especially where we live today. Ain't a whole lot of people really, really willing to commit, that's why so many people are living together and not married. That commitment thing's tough. It's tough, right, to commit to somebody all in. 
It's the same way with Jesus. Sometimes it just seems like it's hard to commit to him. Lord, I just, you know, you know I like to be on that lake every Sunday morning now. You know, God, I like to, you know, I like to go to the circus with my family on that time. You know, God, I, I know it's just Wednesday and Sunday, and our boat, well, at least in most churches. <laughs> Me and brother Billy Ray were kidding about that earlier. Not well, Billy, well, I don't know if it was Billy Ray or not, but somebody. I forget who it was. If it wasn't you, brother Billy Ray, I'm sorry. But it's one of somebody in here. You raise your hand if it was you. Um, said, yeah, we're trying to figure out why, why our Wednesday services ain't quite as strong. And we said, well, you know, it's summertime and, you know, folks got stuff they want to do. And, and then uh, I think he brought up something. Else. It might have been Brother Ray. We mean you, Brother Ray. Yeah. Brother Ray smart. He said, you know, he said, I don't know. Some of them folks think, boy, I guess Well, you've been there three hours. You ain't never going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> like Wednesday night, you know, we are here a while. Amen. We was here a while. Commit, right? God, I, it's hard to commit to you two hours. Two hours. At a, somebody do seven times 24. Whatever that is. What is seven times 24, somebody? 160. Look at that. Where shows education right there, wasn't it? You can always tell. 168. Said that fast. 168 hours a week, Lord. It's hard for me to give you two hours. You know? I need, I give you 30 minutes, but I got to have that other hour and a half, you know, I got to, I got to get the oil in the boat. Hard to commit to God. But let me ask you a question. How can we come up here? Now this is, I'm just giving you what God gave me. Mark, you need to, this is what you need to do. How can I pray to him and say, I need you to do this, 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 and this for me. But yet I ain't willing to do what he said for me to do. Now, how can I ask, how can I hold him accountable and say, God, why aren't you doing what I ask you? All I hear him saying back to me is, why ain't you doing what I ask you to do? Amen? You with me? Look, I love everybody. But one of the, one of the toughest things and what's destroying a lot of our churches today, and if you guys are watching, you attend another church that does this, I apologize, but it's the truth. One of the worst things happening in church right now it's for people to have these services where you can just stay at home and watch it online and just send us your money. We understand you're busy. God said, don't, don't forsake gathering yourself together in the house of the Lord as the manner of some is. Why? Because there's something special when the church comes together. He said there's safety in the multitude of counselors. Right? And when we come together... And, we, and that, that's that one mind and one accord. You can't do that in your Scooby-Doo's watching SpongeBob on that channel and trying to watch this fat preacher on the other one. Because you don't know if it was SpongeBob said it or God said it. You'll be standing around the water fountain going, you know what, SpongeBob, pretty, pretty smart guy, you know what he said? <laughs> he said, we'll commit ourselves to him <laughs> and not lean on our own understanding or Patrick's or Squidward's. That he'll acknowledge us and direct our path. SpongeBob. <laughs> you with me? It's one of the greatest tragedies in America today. Churches going to those things and nobody coming to church. And the church becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. 
And when we become weak, we can't do what God intended for the church to do, to be the light of the world. And to start the revival that he tells us about in Acts. Amen? If we're going to be successful, if we're going to be what God wants us to be, start here. Amen? Start with what Jesus told us from the cross. There's a reason he said it. He wanted John and his mother and the other Mary that was there and, and, and the Roman soldiers and everybody that was there that day to know. And he wanted you and I to know this is, this is the key to a delivered, successful, powerful walk with me. This is the key that gets you into heaven right here. Amen? You with me? Man, that's good stuff. Ain't it? That's good. That's better than banana pudding. Amen? <laughs> Second, banana, God's first, then banana pudding. Well, I'm a God, your neighbor, then banana pudding. I'm telling you guys, I, this, this, this meant so much to me. It hurt my feelings a little bit this week because he was laying this on my heart. But, man, it was so good. And a lot of it I already knew because God's told me this stuff for years. But, man, he just had to remind me. Right? Sometimes we need God to redirect us, right? That's, that's the great thing about his word. It's a road map. And when we get off base sometimes, right, you hear that little voice, redirect, rerouting, <laughs> rerouting. You know, that's a good voice to hear, whether you're hearing it and you, however you think God talks, Australian or that woman or whatever y'all like, whatever it is. It's a good voice to hear when you feel the Holy Ghost say, I'm redirecting your life. Turn left. Turn left. Turn right. Right? Come back. That's what God's doing, and that's what he was doing with me. So I want to pray with you here today, and I hope it was a blessing to you. I knew it was going to be more teaching today, but I just really wanted to take a little time because I think it's so powerful and can help so many people. If you just, if you just go back and study it, guys, don't take my word for it. Let God talk to you as you're reading this. Uh, if you need these notes, I just take bullets because I, you know, I don't write a lot of stuff down, but I'll give it to you, um, and it'll be a blessing to go back and listen to it, but it's a, really, it's a really a great, great message that God has for us. If we just follow it, our life will be so much better.